Who wants free stuff? I got a big bag full of stuff. Um, here's Getting Ready for Marriage. It's Doug Fields and Jim Burns' new, new books. Who wants that? Here's one. Here we go. There's the book. Here's the work. Here's uh, Seven Ways to Be Her Hero, the one you, your wife's been waiting for, for men. You want that? You want that? Awesome. It's fun. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great read. That's what I'm saying. I knew it. I could feel it that you guys just needed to give it away. Yeah. Let's see. We got a few. How are you guys? Are you on overload? Are you guys having a good time? Are you on overload yet? Yeah. What's been what's been the best thing so far for you guys? Well, I was gonna say no. So what? Now let's get real. What's what's been the what's been your highlight so far in this today? You like the panel? Yes, more. Yeah, a lot less pressure than the. You got ten minutes. Go. Yeah. What else for you guys has been good? The worship. You know, it's good to get focused back on who's the boss of all this, isn't it? Like you go, it's overwhelming. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of odd we forget that he's the boss, isn't it? I'm kind of embarrassed that I do that so often, but that's no, good. Um, I like that it has made it, uh, it's, it feels simple. Good. You know, I was expecting to come and we can wear a little small shirt. So I was expecting to come and just get this big old mega thing that I would totally. Mm. I don't Good. I'm so glad to hear that because that was one of the fears. You know, when you have a an event at a mega church and the model, the main model they're highlighting is a mega church, uh, but John really means it. And when you start thinking about, the, I thought that domino thing was brilliant because it really is true. Like I even think, like you know, my wife and I call it the rescue. When Jesus rescued us, then we found each other and. His rescue impacted so many of our family members, and you just go, it's just ama- amazing. Uh, we're talking to church earlier, and they had six couples. He said, we have six couples in Reengage, And I went, boy, when you think about the dominoes, you got a whole lot of people, you know? That's a whole lot of people, so that's good to hear. I know John would be very pleased to that. That's one of his heart passions is for churches not to feel overwhelmed. What else? Yes, ma'am. Mm. It's seeing so many people here. Can I just tell you guys, uh, when we started married people, um, we started married life in 2001 but we, at our church, but when we started married people five years ago, we have a conference called Orange, and we're having it next week. It's the Orange Conference. It's a company I work with. But uh, I asked in my first breakout, um, how many of you, part of your job description is to think about uh, marriage? I got zero hands. And so when we start talking, and then when I was, you know, it's kind of like Scott was saying, there's not, there's hardly any, like, full-time paid, you know, premarital. When I was doing it at our church for nine years, I I told my wife, I said, we could have a conference for marriage ministry pastors in our half bath. Because there's not many. And now to see, like, when he, you know, when he said, we've got over 500 people coming. You guys, you know what it feels like to me? It feels like where I think, uh, youth ministry was 30 years ago. Don't you think? And when I talk to children's pastors, like Jim Weidman is a big children's ministry guy, and he says, um, I mean, he's been, did it for years, and he said, don't be discouraged, Ted. He said, listen, in the 70s, he's, he said, one, I was the only male uh, person working with children, you know, in the, in the church. He goes, there's no such thing as a children's pastor 30 years ago. And you go, wouldn't it be great if in 10 years from now we're sitting there and go, there's no such thing as a church without a marriage person. Wouldn't that be great? Because you think about youth ministries, sometimes it's the second hire of every church is after the pastor, you know? Uh, so that's, I love it. I get so excited. That's my wife. She goes, you get all geeked out about it, don't you? I said, absolutely, man. This many people in the room carry. And that's why I was, started the whole thing is the people here have hope. You know, everybody in this room's got some hope and they wouldn't be here, right? I love it. Puts everybody on the same page. What else? Theology and thinking bigger. Thinking bigger. We think too small sometimes. Hmm. We think too small. I like that. Elaborate on that just a little bit. Uh, that's all I've got. <laughs> he goes, hey, don't, don't make it. I can't think that big, but I'm going to think that big, right? Uh, 
Well, I want to I want to show a video that um, kind of shows two two sides of this whole thing um, to to get our time started. I think it's it's two or three. We're supposed to start at two, right? All right, we'll we'll, we'll dive in. I want you to. Can you guys got a screen over there? We ready? All right, here we go. Calling out for life and love And I, if I belong to you What will I choose? We are your hands and feet We are free to change the world after lunch, don't you think? Uh, that um, little boy is mine. Uh, he's pretty like his mama, thank goodness. Um, we shot that five years ago. He's now this tall. Uh, but that was the first thing. That's the, the image in my head ever since I've been doing marriage ministry is I want to change what ki- kids are experiencing and what kids are seeing. Because when you think about when we pause, it's staggering when you think about a home dividing forever. And we're going to end up somewhere good, but I think we have to sit in the truth of this for a little bit. Is when you think about a home dividing forever, when you think about a child walking in and seeing daddy's clothes gone and driving away, it's staggering. and It's never going to make the five o'clock news because it's personal. But it is, in my humble opinion, dear friends, is the most tragic thing that's happening during the day. When this is happening, and it's happening to families that, you know, in our lives, how many of you could say, you could fill in the blank, I can't believe blank and blank got a divorce? How many can you fill in that? Yeah, we all can. And so I think with that's the most staggering stat of all, of all the marriage stats to me, that's the one that's the most uh, heart-wrenching. And so how do we create a different, how do we create a different story? Because I, and I don't, I'm passionate about, about couples but if you've worked with couples for a long time, couples themselves can be very frustrating, can't they? Like when you're talking to them, you're going, you are creating your own drama. You are creating rich people problems in America right now. What you're complaining about kind of makes me want to puke just a little bit. And the thing that just doesn't make me go, I'm going to go work with Compassion International, which my wife and I used to be spokespeople for Compassion International. I told her one time, I said, Marriage people, they're, they're creating their own drama. These little kids aren't. I'm going to go work for Compassion International. So every time that things are going bad, that's where I'm going. So if you see me with Compassion, now you know why. Uh, but when I think about, no, no, yes, I want their marriage. I do care about married couples, of course, but I care about their kids. 
I care about what their kids are seeing, what their kids are experiencing, so that we can stop this domino effect, and we can do it in, in a positive way. I work for an organization called Orange, and when I say Orange, people say, what in the world does that even mean? Uh, so we, our thing is we want to influence those that are influencing the next generation. Yellow equals the light of the church. Red equals the, the love of family. And together they make orange. Because here's what, here's what we found is uh, churches at, at best will have kids 40 hours uh, a year. 40 hours at their, in their buildings. We have 40 hours of influence. When you take that same child their parents will have them 3,000 hours during the year. So, yes, what we do on Sunday morning needs to be great. It needs to be fun. It needs to be relevant. I mean, my kids love church, and I'm so thankful for our church. But what we have found is we've got to make home even more of a priority than we do at church. In other words, we want to partner with parents so that they can teach their kids about faith. Instead of saying, dropping them off at the church, pick them up at 18, we'll have them all ready for college. We know that that doesn't work. We know... Whether teenagers know it or not, the greatest influence on a child is their parent. But here's what we found. If we're saying to church leaders, hey, we want to uh, talk to your kid about grace today, and here's five ways that we want you to continue to talk to your kids about grace, and mom and dad aren't giving each other any grace, how much does little Billy learn? Nada. So we said, if we're really going to influence those that influence the next generation, who's influencing the next generation more than parents? So we said, we've got to start pouring uh, into marriage. And here's why this is so important. Did you know that, and this is from the Journal of Scientific Study of Religion, that 60% of children from divorce walk away from their faith. 60%. Can you believe that? Can you, the, the pain of that? And this is how important that this is, not just for couples, not just for couples, but for, for kids, for the next generation. So what's one of the best gifts a church can give a kid or teen? I mean, let's, I mean, we all get really amped up about children's spaces, and I, I get it. I like it. I mean, you know, our church is crazy. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. My kids love church, and I think how far children's ministry has come since my lifetime. I remember sitting in Sunday school class in Center, Alabama, in a naughty pine paneling room, passing around the Methodist curriculum, letting kids read it. And I just, and I look back now, and I'm, my kids, what they're experiencing Right now, how important that that is, how important. But we can do all those things for teens, but the best gift that we can give them is parents whose marriage is thriving. But then again, I'm probably preaching to the choir right now, right? You guys don't need a lot of convincing on this. You're like, hey, we wouldn't be at a conference in the middle of the week in in Dallas, Texas. We didn't know this, punk. Get on to the next thing. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we do that? How do churches help marriages to thrive? Here's what I want to suggest, and I talked about it in the, uh, in the general, were you, how many of you heard what I presented in the general session? Because I don't want you to hear stuff twice. Okay, so we'll, we'll go with that. Um, when you teach less, that couples learn more. We have, I re- never, ever forget when we first started um, married life ministry at our church, 2001, I'd been married about six years, and I thought, well, we're going to kill this. We're going to tear it up, man. And I remember, well, I want to see what's out there. So we went to the Christian bookstore and the secular bookstore back when people went to bookstores. Remember those days? And went in there, and I'll never forget walking up to the marriage section. And it was gigantic, and it was very pink. And I was like, this doesn't even look like guys are involved in this whatsoever. But I thought, I started imagining the guy or the woman who's struggling, you know, struggling with their marriage, and the only context they have is a marriage book. And they walk in, and there's mountain of marriage. And I think how discouraging that be, and they turn in and walk out. And now imagine Googling marriage, or Googling marriage enrichment, or Googling marriage books, which is for some people, that's the only context that they have. Can you imagine how overwhelmed they are? I want my heart to, to ache for that person for the rest of my life so we can think through the lens of where they're coming from. It's the person, the real person. We talk about, in our, in our organization, we talk about Bob a lot. Bob is a 35-year-old guy. He's, he's a good guy. He's iffy in his faith. And he lives next door to somebody that goes to your church. If we can do things that speak clearly to Bob, then we're going to cover everybody else. And I'm not talking about not talking about God's truth. Man, when we're doing things at church, people aren't surprised when we talk about Jesus. I'm not talking about making things shallow. I'm just talking about making things clear. And so what we've decided is if we teach less, that couples will actually, they'll actually 
learn more. And so when we started this whole thing, we said, okay, because I, after doing this for almost 10 years at our church, I kept hearing myself say the same thing because we did quarterly marriage events, one-night one events, and I kept hearing myself say the same thing. Here's something that's very, very easy to understand but difficult to learn, to, to live out. And I started thinking, why would God make the gospel simple but marriage difficult? Because when I looked at what people were trying to do for marriages a lot of time, it was so difficult and it was so intricate. And you'd open up books and it was like the 12 ways to communicate and the 14 ways to navigate through contact. And here's the 12 moves like Jagger for sex. I mean, I just, I was so overwhelmed with it going, we've made it so complicated, but yet God's, God's word, you know, doesn't give us... He just gives us a few key verses on it. But when you look at how powerful what they are, it's unbelievable. The first one that we land on was come from Proverbs 5. When Solomon's trying to scare the pants on his son, right, about adultery. And he, for 15 verses, 14 verses, excuse me, 14 verses, is trying to scare his son. And he'd say things like, uh, uh, heed my instruction. Look closely to me, son, when I'm talking to you. And I grew up in Alabama. My dad, it's my dad's version. Boy, you better look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> How many grew up with that dad, right? So, and I, yeah, my dad, his, this was always his go-to. Like, if he had asked for something, it was frustrating him. Hey, dad, can we get a cheeseburger? He'd be like, I'm going to cheeseburger you in a minute. <laughs> Which, as a child, is a little bit frightening. But anyway, Solomon was a lot more eloquent than my dad. And so he's saying, listen to me, son. Heed my words. And he starts scaring him, he's, and he, it sounds like a tagline for a horror movie. He says, her feet, meaning the adulterous woman, she leads straight to the grave. And you're going to get to the end of your life, and you're going to go, oh, how I hated this one. And if you've ever worked with couples in affairs, that's exactly what they do once the thrills are over. They're going, oh, I love the Bible. It's so and relevant, isn't it? It's just so spot on. It's just, it's just painting, as I've worked with couples, what happens at the end of a fair, and there are people that having relational hangovers going, I gave up everything. It's, and, and so when you got all those don'ts, then come on, Solomon, throw me a bone here. What's the do? And what does he say? En- enjoy the wife of your youth. Be captivated. In some verses, intoxicated. And people say, well, that's our feeling words. I don't feel that way. And go, no, 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 it's, this is not about feeling. This is about focus. God has hardwired you to connect in this awesome sexual way with another person. You just need to take that energy and focus straight on that one that you promised. That one that you stood across from me 20 years ago. I can't believe I'm at my anniversary at a conference, but that's okay. We're standing, we stood across from each other. And that sweet little face, 23 years old, trusted me with the majority of her life. If she's going to have kindness in her life, it's going to be because I give it to her. If she's going to know generosity in her life, it's going to be... And I promised, and the great thing with Scripture, it always takes you back to the day of promise. You promise big time, Buster. If they're going to have romance, it's going to be because of you. If they're going to have respect, if they're going to have love, it's going to be about you. And he takes them back here and he says to them, that one, focus, be captivated, be intoxicated by your wife or youth. And we say this all the time. The best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy your marriage. The best way to protect it is to enjoy it. And so what we tell people and what we've convinced a generation of is that marriage takes a lot of hard work. You know, then we teach them there's, you know, that there's all this there's hard work. And I don't know anybody says, I can't wait to get married and we get to do all that hard work. What we do, they walk away a lot of times from, from our presentations, what we're trying to teach them, they walk away heavier than lighter. They walk away thinking, man, we got to work on this thing, and this is going to be really, 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 really complicated. And we get to walk and say, no, no, no. The best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy your marriage. And in the church, we get to tee them up to do that. Sometimes for couples, the issue becomes larger than the marriage. Speaking of rich people problems, we had some dear friends, and they were a couple, and he's my best friend, and she's my wife's best friend, and they've been buddies forever, and they were fighting about whether to move to a bigger house or not. Talking about rich people problems, right? And, but they're, I mean, it's, it's divisive. It's the issue that's bigger than the marriage, and they, they come over to our house and say, hey, we're taking our annual vacation, just the two of us. And I said, well, you guys don't look very excited about it. And they said, well, you know, we just know we're going to fight about this house thing. And I said to them, I said, what if you took a vacation from talking about, you know, the house? What if you take a vacation from the issue on your vacation? 
And they're like, we can do that? Because we convinced a generation, you've got you to work out your issues. If you don't get rid of those issues, if you don't resolve the conflict, mm, be very afraid, very, very afraid. So I said, take, take a vacation from it. Well, they came, they came back from their vacation. And they, and he, he was very funny. He's like, Ted, thanks. We had a great vacation, if you know what I mean. Right? And she's like, oh, we had the greatest time. Well, that's about eight years ago, and they still have not brought up the house again. Right? Do I not want people to communicate? Is communication important? Absolutely. But we've allowed it to trump everything else. There's a great book out. It's a, it's a secular book that lines up with Scripture. And so a lot of it lines up with Scripture, but some of it you're not going to like. But one of the things that they said that makes so much sense, it says, and this is your counselors that say this, we've convinced a generation that words lead to connection. When in reality, connection leads to words. Words don't lead to connection. Connection leads to words. And so when we, when we connect people, when they're having fun, when they're connected, they can talk about things, can't they? You know, you think about it. When are couples talking about anything? Only when they're mad. They're in the heat of the moment, and this is the only time they're talking about anything. Well, you did this, and you do this. How productive is that? Not at all. But if we can connect them, then the communication oftentimes will follow. Have serious fun. The second part of this is respect and love. Respect and love. And you go, why not love and respect? Well, it hit me one day, and our, our pastor helped this hit me one day. When he was talking about marriage, he said, you know what? He goes, when you look at Ephesians 5, it starts with mutual respect. It starts with one person, both people in the marriage saying, you first, no, you first, no, you first, no, you first. Everybody, men and women alike, want to be respected. Women, can you agree with that? You want to be respected too. But what I think Emerson Eckridge has done a great job is saying, for men, their primary need in their soul, do they want to be loved? Absolutely. But the primary need in them is they want to be respected. And I said to my wife one time, I said, do you understand I'd rather you respect me than love me? She goes, really? I said, yes. I said, does that make sense? She goes, not even a little. And to men, men, does that make perfect sense to us? It makes perfect sense to us. But the word respect sounds parental. And so a lot of women push back. No, wait a minute. You're supposed to respect your parents. So there's an issue there. The other, the other issue is that respect's supposed to be earned, right? And here's the thing. Men get beat over the head with a club all the time that they're not as relational as women. And I think if we can help women get this about him, this is where they're dropping the ball the most is women. Women don't get this. Women don't get that he doesn't want a mama. He wants a hot mama, right? He wants, I don't want to need a mama, I need a wife. And I, that's the connection and that's the way to his heart. And there's a connection with this. I mean, when men are feeling respected, they become more loving. When women are, uh, are more loving, you know, they feel more loved. They tend to respect and around and around it goes. But it begins with mutual respect. The other is love God first. Love God first. People say, why don't you put love God first when you list the four of these? Let me tell you why. It's the most important one on there, even after you see the fourth one. Um, the way we get to guys, the way we get into people's hearts is we start with this idea of fun. And we tell them all day long, this is God's principle. We don't hide that. But when it relieves something off of them, that they're, now they're open to what you have to say with, with the other core habits. If you start with fun, it starts off with a different momentum. It changes this perception that they have that marriage ministry, you know, I think it, you know, um, Matt was, it was Omen family. Matt, are you still with me? No, no, you with me? Where'd he go? Matt Engel, are you still in here? No, anyway, they did. The Omen uh, Foundation came back and they said they did an 18-month case study and they said that marriage ministry has an image problem. It's boring, outdated, preachy, and feminine. Right? So we got an image problem. And so that's why, you know, John called me neurotic. This would be true. I would be, uh, this would be true. When it comes to this, because I think it's got so much, it's hanging in the balance that we have got to do this with excellence and we have to do it finally in a way that pills to guys. And I've been beating this drum for a long time because here's the thing, we'll create men, uh, events that are fun for men and I have never yet had a woman come up to me and said this was not romantic enough or this was not feminine enough. But I have had countless women saying, thanks for making it safe for my husband, right? So we can get that, we can do this with excellence. It's great and we start with have serious fun but with love God first when we think about this whole thing, when Jesus was asked, like, you know, trying to be tricked by the Pharisees, they're trying to, to discredit him, right? Trying to, he's, he's rocking their world. 
their world of law, and they said, so Jesus, which is the most important? And what does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, body, and mind, and then what? Then love others, love yourself. Because here's the thing. I think a lot of times when we talk about God's relationship to marriage and that we put a lot of emphasis on doing uh, praying together and devotions together, and I think that's great. But I think the primary thing that we want people to hear is this, is your individual relationship greatly impacts your marriage. Why? Because when I'm hanging out with Jesus, it postures me to love Nancy Lowe in a way that I can never love her on my own, period. Because you think about, what, what, so what happens when we hang out with Jesus? It's the fruit of the Spirit, which describes a really great spouse, doesn't it? So if we can start influencing people, hey, give your spouse the best version of yourself with all your heart, soul, body, and mind. In other words, give them the best version of yourself in every way by connecting with Jesus in every single way, it's going to allow you to love them in a way you're just not going to love them on your own. Because there's just times, and there are things, right, that we are just not compatible about. There are things about our spouse that we're not going to understand until Jesus takes us home, right? I knew, I knew my wife and I were different, but I mean, when we had our uh, second, second son was on his way, my wife would do a nursery, and she wouldn't just do a nursery, she'd do a theme. You know, my first son, it was like a cowboy theme, you know, there's a lasso going all the way around the room. You know, like the baby's going to come home and go, wow, I feel very fortunate to be with parents that are so intentional with decor. Anyway, so I'm just, but I'm helping, man. Pregnant wife, you just do what she says. And so uh, I go in, and she's second son, and she's created a cabin theme for the second son on the way, and she is distraught. And I said, what's wrong? She goes, you'll think it's stupid. I don't think it's stupid, baby. What's wrong with you? Because she's going to be very upset. I didn't know if her mom did that thing her mom usually does. And so um, I talk her off the ledge. Uh, so, uh, and I'm not kidding. So I, are they recording this? You are? Can you rewind that? It's your anniversary. It's my anniversary. It's okay. Just kidding, Juge. Love you. Anyway, uh, it's my, my, anyway, so she's all upset. And I said, what's wrong? And she goes, well, don't. I don't have enough fabric for the dust ruffle. First of all, why would you have a ruffle designed for dust? Right? And she goes, I only have enough for one side. Well, the, the crib is pushed up against the wall. You can only see one side. So I say to her, thinking I'm going to save the day, well, are you going to move the bed? No. This is the only location the bed can be. And then I said, well, why don't you just... Keep, no one's going to see it. And you, she looked at me. Like I said, when a baby gets home, we're going to shove him in the mailbox and make him sleep in there at night. There are things that I'm not going to get. And Jesus has to keep this, my heart posture and says to me, and Holy Spirit says to me going, shh, no comment, buster. Just that whispering spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit's so great at marriage. You go, mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. You know how you're smart at work and you control your mouth because your job's at stake? Do that at home. People come home and use the, they can be nasty, so they are nasty. But the Holy Spirit whispers and goes, mm-mm, this is it. This is a relationship of your life. Long after you're irrelevant at work, you're going to be relevant at home. And he whispers to us. So we need to get connect, couples connecting with Jesus in that way. And the final one we talk about is practice your promise. Practice your promise. Because couples, pra- you know, what did they promise on the big day? What did they promise? Sickness and health. Come on. For better or for worse. Sickness and what? Richer for poorer. Till when? Yeah. Someone kicks the bucket, right? This is what is this, and those are huge promises. Like again, they trust that sweet little face trusted me. That no matter what happens, and I'm telling you, she sends me a, a text this morning, it's got a picture of us, and we're standing there at the Grand Canyon. You know, naive and green as the day is long, man. We, we were driving across the country. We are moving to California, and we kind of whizzed by the Grand Canyon. We didn't stay there 30 minutes because we wanted to get to that one-bedroom apartment in Southern California, baby. And I just think about us and how naive we were. And we have experienced so much. And she goes, oh, what if those, what did she say on her thing? It's like, if only those two babies knew what was to come. We've experienced losses of parents. Uh, loss of my brother to a drug overdose. We have experienced so much pain, and God has used her. And just when all the, the death and all the pain and grief in my life, she just, she just pat me on the heart. She go, oh, your heart. I'm just so sorry. I said, honey, I said, you could write a best-selling book on grief on a 
post-it note, you know? Just say, oh, your heart. And I look now, and I started thinking about, oh, my gosh, if we've experienced that in these 20 years, what's ahead? I don't even want to think about it. We've got three kids, 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old. We've got one in high school, middle school, and elementary school, which means we get to go to heaven for free because we just take people places. But we get to say to them, hey, in the middle of all the scurry, in the middle of all the crazy, in the middle of the grief, in the middle of everything you never saw coming, folks, we want you to practice it every day. Because here's what happened. We're in a commuter town, a lot of us. People aren't living in the village anymore. And they're wanting from one spouse what a village used to give to them. And they're living in isolation. They're pushing the garage door. They drive in. It drops behind them. No one knows what goes on behind closed doors. And now more than ever, we need the church to be that village, to rally around them, to help them to practice what they promise. Because a lot of them are using the safety of their home to just be nasty and just to act any old way they want to act. And we have to call them to a higher thing. We have to elevate marriage and we have to tell them, you've got to practice what you promised. That's what they deserved. And that's what, that's what you vowed. Because here's what I believe this is marriage isn't about the big day. It's about the everyday. We spent, in this country, last year, $72 billion on wedding ceremonies. I can't find one stat for what people spend on their marriage once they get married, other than honeymoons, and that's $8 billion, which I personally feel is well spent. Thank you. You got that. I appreciate that. But it's not about the big day. It's about the every day, and we've got to help them to do that. We've got to give couples less content. Talked about... Talked about that in the general session to give couples less content. And we talked about uh, through date nights. Just a powerful, powerful thing. If you can help couples date, and one of the ways that we've found to do this is you give them instructions. Some of you were sitting here during lunch, but you give them instructions from start to finish. Don't give them a general idea, you know, and a pat on the back going, go get them, Tiger. Don't say go to the park and talk about when you first got married. That can be good, but what's great is when you tell them exactly what to do. Because a lot of them haven't dated in a very long time. And they, when they finally do get in the car and they say, what do you want to do? I don't care. What do you want to do? And so what we like to answer is the, what do you want to do? And so when we give them dates, we have the same categories every time. We have uh, the get ready, which is, is not much. Not much whatsoever. Not, grab your smartphone. You know, grab two pieces of paper. You're going to need a thing of Play-Doh. Seriously. So they go, do it, it's like, here's what you're going to do. On the way to the restaurant, you're going to talk about these questions. You're going to do this once you're at the restaurant. The dare me, that's kind of the, that's kind of the fun stuff. You know, one of, them, one of them we did said, every time you talk to uh, a server or someone at a gas station or whatever, use a fake accent. Just goofball stuff. And when we first started doing these, I remember, like, when I talked about that date earlier about, you know, make out until the car behind you honks a horn. We're doing all these things, and I thought, I think this feels kind of youth groupy because I was in youth ministry forever, and I'm looking at these dates, and it's like, hey, go in the store and spend $2 on each other, separate, and then come back and tell why you spent the $2. And I thought, they're going to hate that stuff. So I'm, I'd have thoughtful questions. You know what they loved? That stuff. They liked those moments. They liked that. I mean, I have one church, and they just, they did an ice cream date where they sent them out, and the whole thing revolved around getting ice cream, and you're going to talk about this on the way to ice cream. And it doesn't have to be big things. It's got to be things that anybody can do and anybody can afford, but it's just, we're teeing them up. The goal of dates is for them to affirm each other and, and to laugh. Man, I'm telling you, people can, a little affirmation goes a long way, doesn't it? If we can help couples do that. In fact, how many of you are here, are here with your spouse right now? Okay. Even those of you that aren't, I want you to do this. Promise me you'll do this before you go to bed tonight and this, this. Fill in this blank with your spouse. The thing about you that makes me say wow is this. Just spend a few minutes and you say it to them. If your spouse is at home, you just call. Tell them, I was just thinking this, about this today. and Because you were. The thing about you that makes me say wow is this. Now, here's my question for you leaders. Would you rather... Couple sit across from each other at a date and fill in that blank or read a chapter in a book about the power of affirmation. <laughs> right? And what have we been doing? I remember small groups, we, we would do this. You know, we'd read a chapter on marriage, talk about a chapter on marriage. Sometimes people wouldn't read their chapter, i.e. the leader. We'd be reading to each other on the way. And then people wouldn't show up, right? 
because they didn't read the chapters. When you give them these little doses, it just goes a long way. The other thing we did is we go to my wife's house. We live in Atlanta. We go to my wife's house, um, her, my wife's house. That's why we get along so well because we have separate houses. Uh, uh, my, <laughs> it's been a long day. We go to my uh, wife's mother's house, uh, my in-law's house, who I love very, very much if you're listening to this recording. Uh, when, we, when we go there, it's an hour and a half drive, and we pass 29 churches. How many of you live in that kind of setting? You're just at a church on every corner, right? And I thought, and we're driving over there, and I thought, what is something every church could do? No excuses. What is something every church? So we came up with this thing called an e-zine, which is an electronic magazine. And we thought, we'll create it, and then we'll send it to churches, and then they can send it out to people. Because our whole, our whole philosophy is helping churches help marriages. So everything we create is for churches to make their own. We don't care if the couples in your church know we exist, because we want people driving away, sits in this, because look what... Our church did for us because it's just powerful. People that love me did this for us. Uh, we just want to get churches ahead of the game because just, they just don't have the staff to pull it all off. And so we created this monthly email that we send to churches and then churches send it out. And it's got these little moments. One of them's called the two-minute vacation. It has the same categories every time. One of them's the two-minute vacation. Uh, at some point this week, over dinner, ask each other this question. We could have a free vacation home anywhere in the world. Where would it be? And people go, that's not very spiritual. What is that? What does that accomplish? Well, it accomplishes people that are living like roommates to stop and dream a little bit. And think about themselves a little bit and think about their future for a little bit. And it's just, it's just a powerful thing. And you, this is just in their lives. We had this one couple tell us that they'll just, when they get it, they'll just sit there on the couch and go through it. There's like six or seven different categories. Oh, man, I got a picture. Um, different categories every week. And each one of the circles represents a different category. Um, and one of them is called the spice. It's about the bedroom. And then there's one about um, plugged in. It's about how you can, your connection with Jesus. Um, Two-minute vacation. The other's called hot button. One of the things we're always arguing about. And the other one's post-it. And so it just, they get in this habit. You know, you think about all the great television shows. It's the same formula every time. So that's what we try to do with dates. And that's what we try to do uh, with a monthly, monthly email. So that's individual couples. What time is this breakout? Is it 3 o'clock? We're done in here in 3 yeah okay perfect um next part is the is small groups and we basically designed our small groups based on our bad small group experiences because we were driving up and people wouldn't show up and they would show up feel up so guilty about um they didn't read and i'm thinking man you think about in a culture how many of you do a small group model or Sunday school model at your church I mean, you think about it, people are giving us an hour to two hours of their life a week. That's a lot of time. So instead of making them feel guilty and do all this homework, what if we just made, this microphone's driving me nuts. What if we just made uh, the group, when they're at group, great? And I think it starts with great by them being there guilt-free. So no homework before. And if you do an exercise, and we always want to do an exercise, they do it there at group because what? They're going to do it instead of throwing it in the back of their car. The leader's there if they get to any places. What else are they going to do? They're not going to run. I'm not doing this exercise. So they're doing what you want them to. And then the other thing we did, we said, let's let the content come from the leader. So we give the content to the leader because this is a person that's, that they know giving content. And then we hear videos. It's not an expert teacher. It's couples. Because you know how it is when you're in a small group and there's a sharp couple there? What we did is we created a video every year, and we'll do it. It's like you'll hear from newlywed couples, couples about my age with kids, and then empty nesters have been married anywhere from 40 to 60 years, and you hear from them all throughout the study. And so it ensures that there's three sharp couples sitting there, and you're learning from people your same age and before and behind you, different stages. And so they're, they're watching that. And because here's the thing, like people, you know, I've been t- teaching marriage stuff for a long time, and my wife and I are very transparent about struggling, and we struggle in different areas. And we always have people come up afterwards, oh, you guys must be perfect. I'm like, well, you, did you go to the bathroom when we ripped our souls open in front of you? But they can't get past that. But what they can, those are people like us. So when you talk to couples and when you have leaders couples and you're, you're pouring into them, they learn from somebody that's a little bit down the road. I have a, we have a mentor couple in our life. And, man, their kids are out of school. And ours are, you know, in the middle of it and all the different things. And I sat down with mine yesterday and I said, man, my 15-year-old, he's struggling. He's just sad. I don't know what to do. He's so sad. He breaks my heart. When I see that little boy in the closet, I mean, I'm tearing up over here because my boy's struggling. 
And I'm going, is there something wrong with it? You know, we're sitting across the table, and he walked me through that. And I called Nancy afterwards and said, hey, here's what he said. And he told you to call his wife, Kathy. And, you know, it's having these couples down the road that also can be a part of these small groups. It's just powerful. And that we learn better from people down the road than a lot of times than we do from, from experts. The other piece of this thing is large group experiences. Now, I know, what do I mean by that? I mean, Sunday morning, you know, you can talk about marriage on Sunday morning. Yes, you can. I think, what is it? I don't know if I used this illustration this morning, but Ted Cunningham at his church, he talks about marriage once a month. And uh, he, says, he says this, he goes, you know, marriage is so important. He said, and because it's so important, everybody in this room is a marriage advocate. Whether you're married, single, divorced, widowed, whatever, Marriage is important. We're all advocates for marriage. So we can do that in larger group settings. And the benefits of that is you've got all your couples there. You know, they're already there. And you, that's the chance to pour into them and tell them how important marriage is. And you can start saying, hey, focusing on your marriage is just not when you're falling apart. And you need, we need to focus on it now. And that's where that can happen. The other thing I absolutely love, and I talked about it a little bit, are these one-night events. And again, we want to make them fun. And I've got a little... Um, little video that we give to churches to, to show to help make sure maybe just a little bit of fun is happening. I want you to watch this. Hi, I'm Enoch and I'm here to talk about responsibilities in marriage. When it comes to responsibilities, people have different strengths and men and women can swap roles in every area except one. I'm here with Josh and Kristen. How long have you been married? Five years. Five years. Five years. And you just had a baby a year ago? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And what I hear, Josh had a bit of a fainting spell. Uh, I, mean, I, I wouldn't call it fainting. It was fainting. Yeah. Was it, <laughs> was it because you saw how much pain she was in? Uh, I was overwhelmed with joy, I think. Right, so you, the pain, you don't really think it was really that much, really that bad, right? Uh, I mean, it's pain, but it seems bearable. I think I can handle pain. So today we're going to give him an opportunity to see what it feels like. What do you think about that, Josh? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we're about to find out. It's going to be fun. We are here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, how you feeling so far, Josh? Feel good. All right. Kristen, you, how you feeling? Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> great. I am too. This is going to be fun. Let us not delay any longer. Katie, if you will, the device. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Coming back in. It just feels like... I don't know that I'd exactly call it a huge amount of pain. No, just discomfort. It's a a discomfort. It's good. We're good. Good? We're good. It's kind of therapeutic. Therapeutic. That's therapeutic? Let's crank it up a little bit. Ah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're steadying back. We're getting back in. There we go. Just remember, change positions. We're changing positions. This is for a reason. Hold on to it. Hold on. There we go. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, don't, 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 don't fall off, don't fall off. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> You're doing good. Here's what we want you to do. Can you say you're sorry? Say tell me. Say I'm you're so, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're sorry. I'm I can't s- hear you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. You good? No mas? No mas. Want to tap out? Want to tap? You can tap if you want, man. Yeah, and he's done. <laughs> wow, that was intense. <laughs> Josh, you doing good? I'm doing okay. All right. What did you think about your experience? Uh, that was was a little bit rough. A little bit rough. So it gives you a better idea of what Kristen dealt with? Yes, yeah. much better idea. What do you think now? 
uh, you're incredible. <laughs> <laughs> See, it just goes to show what it means to respect each other's uh, strengths and each other's abilities. And I want to thank you guys once again for being a part of it. And I want to thank you guys for checking it out. See you later. That fun? What's that? Where to get? It's a physical therapist, man. I'm t- I handpicked this dude and this couple for it because he's. He's a little cocky. I love him. He's one of our staff. And I was like, hey, Josh, would you? <laughs> and he comes back and he pulls up his shirt and he's got red like whelps like somebody's burned him. I'm like, yes. I've watched this footage and I've enjoyed it quite often. <laughs> oh, man. He's, it's made me so happy. Um, so when we talk about with churches, the 25 touch points, and I mentioned very briefly today, uh, but we, if couples, if we pour into couples, a couple of times, a little bit more, a couple of times a month. That's 25 touch points. And I found it's very helpful when I kind of show you this on the calendar. Now, I'm about to show you a calendar. And please hear me when I say that. I am in no way implying that this is the calendar, the way to do it whatsoever. I'm just doing it for examples, example's sake. I'm finding more and more that churches, man, you guys are the pros, are when your couples will come and do these things, when they won't do these things, you know. So this, again, are we hearing that preface? This is just for example's sake. Okay. So 25 touch points. So let's say a church, we'll use a 2015 calendar, and they said, okay, we'll start with the larger group environments. Whether that's a one-night event or Sunday morning, they say, hey, once a quarter, once a season, we're going to talk about marriage, whether it's Sunday morning or a one-night event. So they said, we'll have one in February, because that is one consistent thing about the calendar. If you'll do a one-night event or something on marriage or before Valentine's or on Valentine's, you can't do it afterwards. That way the guys won't get the credit for taking their wife there. You know what I'm saying? Like you got, you got to do it before or after. But let's say a church does it in February, May, August, and October. So that's four touch points. You can see the counter clock in the, in the bottom corner. So let's say small groups. You say you start the group at the first year. Hey, we want to, people are reconsidering life. You know how attendance jumps in January and in the fall? Or wherever it jumps for you, whatever that season is for you. That's always a good time to do that. So we'll say, hey, we're going to start the year off right, guys. We're going to focus on our marriage for a... Uh, for five sessions. The others, you say, okay, and we're going to, date nights, we're going to provide four date nights for you, one, one a season. So now you're at 13 touch points. And say, I want to send you an email once a month, every month, and now that gives you 25 touch points. Does that make sense? So it's spread out over the course of the year, and it's these little digestible, bite-sized wins. When you're at events, you're saying, we're going to talk about one thing tonight. When you do the dates, we're going to focus on one thing tonight. When you do the easing, they pick out their one thing. When they, it's one thing of each of the sessions, but it's just, it's a process. Now, some churches say, hey, you know what? There's no way we could do four events like that. So I say, do two, do one, do none. And you still got 21 touch points in a culture that gives couples none. Does that make sense? Or some churches, they, they'll say, wait a minute, why do you not have more small group material on marriage? Because I'm saying, if you're only going to focus on marriage for a year, I'd say talk about marriage every small group. But if you're going to talk about marriage and focus on marriage every year, if you're going to have an ongoing strategy and you talk about marriage every week, that's not going to last. They say, well, what do we talk about? Talk about other things that are important to your church, whatever vision is, your church. But this becomes healthy. But some churches say, you know what? I, I got to do more. Okay. Do maybe in January and September. That gives you 31 touch points. Or for churches, if you... You just did things for individual couples. You just said, hey, you know what? Man, we're just figuring this out. We're a small church, and we're trying to figure out what to do. This is something you you can do. You can send them all an email, or you can send them all a date. And I would say with all this, child care, child care, child care, child care. If you can provide that, if you can help make that happen, great. If you can't right out of the chute, that's okay. Do what what you can do. and And you know what? Don't do it all at once. Do it at the pace that excellence will allow. Okay? You know, what is it? You only have one time to make a first impression. So don't feel pressure to do all this at once, but I just want to challenge you to look at your calendar and say, okay, what can we do for the everybody else's? Because when we do, proactive marriage ministry creates the greatest stories you just will not hear until heaven. I'll close with this. We had uh, our church, they raised a boatload of money in one weekend. Go to Andy Stanley's church in in Atlanta, it's a big campus, and I hesitate to use this example, but it was, it was his point, so it, it makes this point. So he says, hey, if this church, if these five campuses in Atlanta would give uh, $39.95 apiece, 
and operators are standing by. He goes, church is not going to get any of this money. If we, you gave $39.95 a piece, we could remedy most or a lot of the financial issues right here at Christmas from nonprofits. If you guys will do that. And he goes, as you're walking out, there's people back there standing with iPads that will take your money right now. We get no money of this. We're giving. We're going to give it to our community. They raised $4 million in a weekend. Now, it's the largest church in the country, so take that with it. But here's the point I don't want you to miss. He comes back the next week. He celebrates and says, that's fantastic. He goes, but you know, when people ask me how we were able to raise $4 million over course of a weekend. He said, you know what I tell him? He goes, it took us 18 years to be able to do that. He said, what do you mean? He goes, because that is intervention giving. And boy, do we love it because it's got an emotional story and it's got tangible results, right? We know how much food we put in the food pantry. We, we get it. We know how we helped uh, teenage moms. We get it. He goes, but there's a different type of giving. It's called preventative giving. And it's not emotional, and you can't measure with the results, but it's far superior. He goes, what, would you rather a, a kid, you know, do we want to help kids that they are struggling with drugs and alcohol? Of course we do. Does that create, create stories? Of course it does. Isn't the superior story that he never struggled to begin with? Because we were preventative, but we never know what we prevent. And that is the challenge, my friends, when it comes to being proactive. You're not going to know what you prevented until heaven. Because people don't call the church with good news, typically. Right? Nobody's calling the church receptionist and saying, Hey, Miss Betty, I just, can you pass this note along to pastor? You know, my wife and I have been living like roommates for two years, and we went on a date the church provided, and it was afterwards, whoa, wow! It was some hot loving, Miss Betty. I'm just telling you, dropped a mic. It was awesome, Miss Betty. Miss Betty, you're not there, Miss Betty. Nobody's calling Miss Betty. Miss Betty is very excited they're not calling her because nobody's calling with, with good news. Everybody calls and they're falling apart. They're not calling because we don't know what we prevented and we're not going to know until heaven. But isn't it wait, worth the wait? Isn't that, you know, when I hear of, you know, I love watching the rescue stories and that's great. But you know what? I would love it if those kids had not had to go through any of that in the first place. You know, and God uses it, and praise God he does, and we need to be all about that. But guys, we need to be about the superior story, and that's helping it from happening in the first place because God's big enough, and he can do this, and he wants to do it through the local church. There's no doubt in my mind. Let me pray for you guys, and then I'll hang around if you guys take off. Um, God, thank you for the men and women in this room who already are passionate about marriage. We're just asking the question, how do we do it? How do we do it better? Uh, what do we need to change? Uh, and God, you know every single couple that's represented in this room and, and the leaders in this room and what couples that they're, they're overseeing. And you know what's going on in their homes. You know what they're struggling with. You know what their hurts are. You care about every hair on their head. Um, and God, that's, that's staggering to think about, that you would use us to love them and to protect them and help their ma- marriage and their family. So, God, we just want to always remember, we always want to tap into you. God, would you lead this thing? Would you teach us how to do this? Um, when we're going the wrong way, would you gently guide us in the right direction? Um, and God, I, I pray that great stories would come of this. It may not be stories we hear, but God, would you give us glimpses? Would you give us moments? Would you give us um, just minutes of life change from people that we love and that, that we're serving? Um, pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, you guys.